Okay, so forget your apple pie, your pumpkin spice, your flannel shirts, your changing leaves, all of that stuff. Fall is only about two things. Marathoning and cross-country running. On this week's show, we do both with Leslie Sexton, who chats about her upcoming return to the Scotia-Toronto Waterfront Marathon, as well as her experience with Athletics Ontario and the women's race distance for cross-country. Also, Declan White of Trinity Western, he talks about his relationship with Cross and the upcoming CIs and much, much more. Also, let's not forget, we have a brand new episode of Track Factor Fiction on the way, guaranteed to please the coffee fiend in all of us. This is The Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production. After last year's breakthrough race for Leslie Sexton at the Toronto Waterfront Marathon, a lot more eyes have been on her as one of the next great Canadian marathoners. She's backed that up with some really good under-distance races, including a win at the very deep Vancouver Eastside race. She also has been a crusader for equal cross-country race distances between the genders, with her recent open letter getting a lot of attention. I reached Leslie in London. Okay, so obviously there there's a lot to talk about, but um, you know, obviously big build going towards the Toronto Waterfront Marathon. But uh, something I really want to talk to you about is uh, is in fact the race a couple weeks ago. I think it was three weeks ago in Vancouver uh, with the Eastside 10K. You ended up taking home a win there. Talk to me about that race because I believe it was a, a PB for you, and you beat a really stacked field. Uh, yeah, it, it actually went uh, a lot better than I expected. Um, I, I just wanted to to do a race to sort of uh, feel the legs because it, it had been a while since I'd I'd gotten in a like a good race effort. Um, and the the East Side 10K really fit. Um, I heard the the course was pretty good. So um, yeah, and, and thankfully uh, uh, Alan and the the CRS folks were willing to to bring me out there. Um, yeah, I, I hadn't done a whole lot of uh, 10K workouts leading in. Like we did a kind of couple tune-up sessions, but really most of my training has been focused on on marathon and marathon pace. So uh, I kind of went in with a soft goal of like uh, breaking 34 minutes and hopefully kind of finishing in the the top three among the women. Um, but yeah, I, I and it, I guess uh, just as we were we were going, like uh, I was running um kind of more like uh 33 mid pace and feeling pretty good about it and uh yeah the way it played out um there was there's kind of a big pack of me ahead with uh with dana uh Pitoreski and natasha wodak uh, and they were sort of in with a group of guys and i i couldn't quite uh get up to them the the race has a pretty fast downhill first kilometer so um i sort of spotted them a few seconds and they they got away from me um, yeah, so I, I just sort of um, kept in my rhythm and figured, like, okay, with a, a good second half of the race, I can catch them. Um, when, we, when we made the turnaround at 5K, I was, I, I don't know, maybe 8 to 10 seconds down. And so uh, I just uh, worked over the next few K at sort of eating into that, into that lead and um, chasing down guys as they fell off the pack ahead of me and uh, managed to, to catch up and pass those two uh, a little bit before the 8k mark and then um yeah after that it was just kind of racing the guys around me and pushing for a fast time so uh yeah like really happy to to pb at that um i was only three seconds off my my track 10k time so um it's a good confidence boost going in like knowing i'm i'm in great shape over a 10 but really the focus has been the the marathon and the training 
Well, as you mentioned, uh, definitely a huge confidence boost for you there. Um, I do want to talk a bit more about the buildup, though. I mean, how has that been going compared to, say, last year's buildup and uh, and maybe some buildups before that? Um, yeah, it's, it's been good overall. Um, I'm, I'm sort of learning as I go through various builds that, uh, like, it, it doesn't have to be perfect and you can still be uh, in really good shape. Um, last year we were really lucky and the, the summer wasn't too hot. So even in August, I was, I was getting in a lot of good workouts and good efforts. And, um, this year, maybe not so much. Um, and we had a lot, a lot of hot and humid days and, uh, I, I really struggled to be honest in, in August. So I, I just did my best to, to keep the volume high, but I wasn't as consistent in my workouts, unfortunately. Um, but I, just sort of kept at it and uh when when the cooler weather rolled around in september um i really saw a quick improvement in all my workout times and i i got to the point where i was uh doing similar workouts to what i was doing last year but um but but a little bit faster so um kind of knocking a a couple seconds per k off that that marathon pace so uh going in now like even with a a build up with with sort of some ups and downs i I feel pretty confident that I'm in in shape for a personal best. Uh, and at this point, it's just about uh, sort of resting up and, and hoping the weather's good on, on the race day. So the uh, the Toronto Waterfront Marathon, uh, you know, like I said, you did it last year. But one of the big differences is, um, you know, I don't I don't think they were really talking about you last year. You know, I got a lot of the press releases and your name wasn't really mentioned. You were you were truly an underdog going in. And I believe you got second in the Canadian Marathon Championships. Um, so, you know, how does that uh, how does that change your perspective, you know, being the underdog last year to, you know, getting a lot more recognition this year, you know, does that, you know, help confidence or, or does it make you a little more worried? Um, I, I guess a bit of both. Like, uh, I, I, I think, um, I think it, it is definitely earned. Like, uh, last year I was coming in with a 239 PB and there were, uh, there were people a fair bit faster. So, uh, I, I don't feel, didn't feel slighted in any way that people weren't necessarily talking about me. Um, and, and to be honest, I didn't even expect to, to take, uh, over six minutes off my personal best. So, um, getting a little more attention this year, I, I can see it as a good thing. It, it means like, um, well, I, I have put up a time that, uh, that means they, they can talk about me, which is, is a good thing. It means I'm getting faster. Um, and it means, means more opportunities. Um, so I, yeah, it's, it's still, uh, something I'm kind of getting used to, like uh, having to go to the press conference in Toronto a few weeks ago. I had never done that kind of thing before. Um, but I, I'm, I'm just sort of trying to take it in stride and looking at that as um, it's, it's part of the prep. And um, really it's been, it's been cool too, uh, like uh, talking to other runners that are in, in the running media um, and, and at the press conference, like everyone's asking me about Strava and that kind of thing. So I get to be of a, you know, a bit of a geek and talk about my running. So it's, it's kind of fun. Um, so I, I guess I'm, I'm trying to enjoy it and not let it get to me too much. It, it was kind of nice lot last year, like, uh, sort of flying under the radar and not having, um, any commitments or, or that kind of thing. But, uh, I like there's, there's sort of good in it either way. And, uh, I'm just trying to make the best of things, I guess. 
Now I kn- I know that last year you were you were having a little bit of trouble finding someone to uh, to pace you through the marathon. Uh, you know, even even for the first little bit. This year, you know, there's Rachel Hanna in there, and she almost kind of has a similar time to you. She'll be in the field as well. Do you think, uh, you know, does she run the same type of marathon as you? Do you think that you'll be able to work with her to, uh, to you know, achieve those goals? Um, yeah, I, I think it should be um, at, at least fairly close that uh, there should be a pack there, and if, if not with Rachel, with uh, with some of the other women in there. Um yeah, like for for me, I am very much about uh, like figuring out what shape I'm in and sticking to my plan and, and racing smart. And um, I, I think Rachel's really good at that too. She's a she's a very consistent marathoner, and uh, you don't see p- big positive splits from her. So um, yeah, I mean, hope, hopefully we're we're kind of looking for the same thing, and we can work together a bit. Um, yeah, last year the, uh, the the slowest pacers that were there were going for uh, Olympic marathon standards, so that, I knew that uh, wasn't really going to work for me. Um, yeah, so I, I think leading into race day, it's going to be just about striking that balance between um, kind of running with other people and competing, but also uh, sticking to my plan. And um, I, I tend to, I think I run best off a like a negative split, so um, it's just going to be about making decisions leading up to and during the race and and being smart okay so let me take you back a little bit earlier this year um i believe end of may in ottawa it was really really stinking hot it was just the worst um there was the ottawa marathon you were signed up you started the race uh you did not finish the race so how you know did did that decision uh that you made during the race did that do you think that positively affected the the rest of your summer training and even even this fall? Um, yeah, it's it's never good to uh, to DNF, and I was I was disappointed at the time, but um, I think not not overly so. Like uh, I, I think I was I was more um, kind of disappointed in in myself for like uh, choosing to do that race and knowing me, I, I don't, I don't run that well in, in hot conditions and, uh, something my coach and I Steve and my coach, uh, Steve Weiler and I talked about, um, and I, I was sort of the one that, um, tr- tried to have to convince him to race Ottawa. Um, and he wasn't, um, totally happy with the idea from the start. And I was like, no, no, I can do this. It'll be fine. Um, and it, yeah, it sucks to be wrong about that. Um, so yeah, I was I was disappointed, but at the same time, like I've I've had lots of ups and downs in my marathon career already, and I think I've I've sort of learned to um, to deal with it and and just move on because um, there, there's no sense uh, sort of dwelling on it and uh, and being upset about it. You just uh, we it it was. Uh, it was crazy hot weather. Like they, they got to the point where they were, they were moving up the start of the half. And, um, when, when people were on the course too long, I think they eventually shut it down. So we, we, we are dealing with, uh, kind of extreme temperatures out there and, uh, not, not much you can do. So, um, yeah, just trying to, I know it's, it doesn't sort of bother me anymore. It's something that happened, but I'll just try to move past it. 
so so from Ottawa to something I think is, is really really positive. Um, you you got quite a bit of uh, of press time at, at least in the running world um, for a letter that you actually wrote to Athletics Ontario about cross country, which of course we're in that season right now. Uh, explain to me what that letter was about, and uh, you know if you've gotten any feedback from them, and and maybe some of the better feedback that you've gotten from other runners. Yeah. So. Um... I, I've done the uh, the Ontario Cross Country Championships for the past uh, six years, I think. Um, and even even though it's been a, a small uh, senior women's race over the years, um, I, our club I think has has supported it and done a good job with it. Um, but it it has frustrated me that the race um, for all the years I've done it, it's been six k. Um, even when uh, when nationals uh, was was seven or eight kilometers, and and now sort of just uh, continuing this this argument, um, I'm people most people know by now that uh, I I want uh, gender equality for distances in cross country, um, and the the IAF last November um, said that uh, the world championship distances are going to be 10k for men, 10k for senior women. Um, so I was really happy to see that. Uh, it looked like uh, Athletics Canada sort of um, followed those guidelines and we're going to be racing 10K and 10K uh, in Kingston this fall. So um, I went to check uh, for if there had been uh, kind of any change at, at AOs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, when I, when I looked at the, uh, uh, the technical package, it, 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 they still had all the same distances as last year. So women were only running 6K, we're racing uh, 60% of the distance. We're going to be racing at Canadian Cross. Um, and on top of that, uh, AO was partnering with um, this, this organization called, uh, I think it's Fast and Female. Um, and th- this is to uh, inspire young women and to... Uh, um, keep them in sport and, and which is, is great, but it seemed really contradictory to me to have um, senior women. Uh, some of them are, are uh, ambassador ambassadors for fast and female. Um, they're going to be racing a shorter distance than the men's and um, young women are going to see that and probably think like, what's going on here? Um, we're, we're kind of making the sport. So it's, or they're making the sport so that uh, um, the women's race is basically kind of this watered down, shorter version than of the men's race. And that really didn't sit right with me. So yeah, I, I wrote uh, kind of an open letter to, to athletics Ontario. I, I addressed it to the, uh, like the director and the technical director uh, and posted it on Facebook as well. And um, yeah, it's been, I guess the the response from uh, a lot of non-AO officials has been really positive on that, and there's been a lot of frustration from other women um, about why this isn't changing. And uh, unfortunately, the the response from AO, I'm um, the the rumor I've heard was that uh, the distances are going to stay the same this year. Uh, I emailed them sort of after I heard this to um, to ask them why and no one ever got back to me so uh unfortunately it sounds like the uh the the women's distance is going to be 6k again and um at at this point i'm thinking either uh just 
skipping it all together because I'm I'm really uh, fed up with with doing that distance, um, or or maybe seeing if I can do the men's race. And the the argument there being that I, I want to prepare for a 10k cross country race at the end of November at nationals, uh, and they're not really giving me the opportunity to do that. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, still waiting for a response from them on on why they decided to keep the distances the same, even though um, they've known since last November that uh, the, the IAAF was, uh, was changing um, the women's distance to 10K. Hmm. You know, I, I also read uh, an open letter from Victoria Coates, which was, you know, in response to yours, uh, a lot of it echoing what, what you said. But I think to paraphrase, she said that, uh, you know, running those shorter distances almost uh, held back her training and held back her development uh, for running the events that she wants to run, you know, the, the longer um, the longer races and the, and the longer events. Can you tell me if that if that uh, argument has, has fit into your own, uh, into your own life, into your own training and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I, I think Victoria, um, put it really well when, when she said that. And, um, it, like sometimes, um, when I'm talking about this issue and pe- people will say, well, um, well, a lot of like women don't feel discriminated against, or they might say, well, um, if coaches are uh, voting to keep the distance for women shorter, it's not because they're sexist. It's because of other reasons. Um, but, but to me, when you, you look at what Victoria says, uh, the, the, that reasoning um, doesn't really hold a lot of water because uh, what, what Victoria is saying really is that uh, the opportunities for girls and boys to run longer distances to, um, uh, have good development at longer distances and to explore their potential at events other than middle distance. Um, it, it is hindered. Uh, and, and then that's how she puts it by, um, this idea that women need to run shorter. Um, and, and as she, she said in, in her op-ed that, uh, when she graduated university and wanted to like move up to the, the, the 10K and the half marathon. It was a difficult transition for her, but for a lot of men who race uh, 10K in university and, you know, they're, they're racing 7K cross-country by the end of high school, uh, that, that transition wasn't so difficult. It was a lot easier for them. Uh, so that's what the issue really comes down to for me. We're, we're talking about um, a, a lack of opportunities for women, unequal opportunities, and... Yeah, so it does become an issue of, of sexism, of inequality, um, and and that's why like it's it's so important to me that we we change this because uh, I I really want to see um, better better depth in women's long distance running. I want to see more women trying the marathon or the half marathon, uh, but we're we're not going to have that um, if we just keep uh, the status quo of of shorter distances for women. All right, so I have one last question for you, just because I know that yourself and uh, and your coach uh, Steve Weiler really big um, in in the London road running scene. Uh, you know, as far as setting up really really good races, at least in, in my opinion, um, in my unbiased opinion, or maybe maybe it's a little biased. I don't know. Um, I posted an article up on Tracky this week. It's a written article. Uh, it's called uh, Rob Watson, Randy Savage, and the fight for the casual fan. 
it's all about you know trying to get more eyeballs on the sport of athletics and on on road running and distance running and and specifically what do you think that our sport could do to get more eyeballs on it uh well yeah i I agree i agree with uh some of what you said about having good uh like good matchups um between um some of the the stars of distance running like i i think um a lot of the focus on on records or, or fast times over the years, like while while that is important and it's ex- exciting to watch, um, it it creates sort of the problem of like okay, well if you if you don't run fast, if you don't set a record, uh, then people aren't interested. And um, I've even seen races where the commentators are uh, you know complaining about a, a slow pace or whatever uh, when they they should be probably hyping up um, matchups between some of the big stars. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think a, like a great example of that is, is what, uh, like what Alan, Alan Brooks in the Canada running series has done for uh, like the women's field at, at Scotiabank this year. Um, he's managed to get most of the top women running the marathon right now. It's, it's pretty much only missing uh, Lenny Marchand. He's managed to get most of them, uh, in the same place, it'll be a, a great race for the championship, and um, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't even mind seeing like more articles uh, kind of hyping up the matchups or, or looking at looking like at like uh, who's going to win and that kind of thing. All right, so I, I really appreciate you uh, you coming on today, uh, Leslie, and uh, you know you, you got a little bit of taper, so try not to go crazy there. But uh, you know, best of luck at at Scotia, and uh, hopefully we'll be seeing you in Kingston a little bit later this year. Yeah, I'll, I'll be there for sure. Yeah, a- AO is a question mark, but uh, Kingston definitely. All right, best of luck. All right, thank you. The Terminal Mile presents Track Fact or Fiction with Brand Statchel. He knows stuff about running and science and stuff. All right, Brand, I have to say I love coffee just as much as the next guy, but I won't drink it before a race because it's kind of like playing Russian roulette with your bowels. However, that is not to say that there isn't a lot of good effects that could come from having caffeine before a race. Tell me about that. Yeah, so, I mean, you're right, the, the Russian roulette of coffee on your bowels, especially if you're not a coffee drinker, uh, routinely is, is pretty risky. I recommend caffeine pills. Uh, it's, it's a lot safer on the, on the gut, and you'll, you'll feel a lot better. Um, you know, looking at kind of the performance enhancement side of it, the recent studies um, show that two-thirds of Olympic athletes actually use caffeine uh, for their running performance. Um, so even without research, if we just knew anecdotally that two-thirds of Olympians were using it, chances are it works. Um, and some research even shows a one to two percent increase in performance. So at the, at the top level, you know, that's, that's the difference between a medal and, and being off the podium. So caffeine affects uh, us in, in two main ways as runners. So the, the two main mechanisms that lead to, to being a legal performance answer is a central nervous system stimulant. Uh, it also aids in enhancing muscular contraction. So the main benefits for us are improved mental alertness and improved state of mind. So just as any of you guys out there who had your morning cup of coffee and makes you feel more alert and you're ready for the day, um, caffeine can be used before work at a race to do the same. Um, secondly, some of the research shows that caffeine ingestion may aid your body's ability to burn fatty acids as a fuel, uh, with the theory being that it then spares glycogen, which would be uh, super useful in the longer events such as the marathon. 
when you're talking about hitting the wall and glycogen depletion. And third, kind of interesting enough, which some people aren't really talking about, is that uh, caffeine's been shown to help aid recovery when taken with a carbohydrate post-exercise. Um, so the next question that's most commonly asked is, what, like, what dosage do I need to take? Um, so Dr. Lawrence Street uh, at the University of Guelph actually has a, has, a, has a book on this, and he recommends three milligrams per kilogram of body weight. So that's kind of your go-to standard, um, and it makes it relatively easy. As a side note, uh, one thing we need to look at when we're using uh, caffeine uh, as a performance enhancer is that um, you should only use caffeine to aid your workout or your races. You shouldn't be using it all the time just to feel normal or mask fatigue. Uh, this can lead to yourself digging, digging yourself a huge hole that's hard to get out of and uh, could potentially lead to things like adrenal fatigue or uh, a bit of a fatigue syndrome or at worst, maybe even Ill- injury or illness as well. So if not coffee, then, then what? What should I take instead? Yeah, so I would recommend uh, caffeine pills instead of coffee. Um, it, it's a lot easier on the gut. It's a bit more accessible. So uh, for those of us trying to get to race day in the morning and you're squeezing out every last second of sleep and everything you can get and you're on the road, rather than having to stop and hope that Starbucks makes your latte or your cappuccino the right way, you can pop the caffeine pill. Do I take those with cream and sugar as well? <laughs> it depends on your, on your taste buds there. But yeah, it might not be bad to take it with something sweet if it gets it down. Declan White is one of my personal favorite runners in the CIS. He's a very bold runner who's proved that he can keep up with the best in the country. I caught up with him earlier this week, and while some of the audio isn't exactly perfect, you'll definitely want to stick around to hear what he has to say. So the uh, so the cross season has has already started, and uh, it looks like you've gotten a, a couple good wins under your belt already. Uh, tell me, how is the season going so far for you? Uh, it's going really well. I had a really good build in August towards it. I started off in really low mileage and just slowly worked my way up, slowly um, got good mileage in, just a good amount of cross training and everything like that. And yeah, just came into the season really well prepared and then Sun Dodger turned out to be a really good race, even though it wasn't quite so sunny. It was a, it was a good race for me and I was really happy with the results. For sure, for sure. Now, one thing I want to talk to you about is uh, is you're coached by Mark Bomba and and you're with Trinity Western, uh, you know, a team that has certainly put together you know some really good teams in the past and uh, and some really good individuals. Uh, Fiona Benson comes to mind. Tell me what's so special about his program and and what makes you know athletes really thrive under that program. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I've been coached by Mark for four years now. He's a very distance oriented coach and. Uh... There's a strong focus on aerobic base, and uh, that really has a key uh, long-term development for the athletes, right? For uh, for future years. So you see, Fiona, she was she was always a good athlete, but she just continued to get the aerobic base in and be patient, and then that just helps her develop over time into being able to get where she is kind of today. And I feel like that works with like all our athletes now, all the athletes who work under Mark. He's very attention to uh, pays a lot of attention to their how they're feeling, what they're doing. And knows when to back off and when to uh, give them a little bit of extra work in there. And it's really just a, a patient kind of thing. You have to, you have to be patient to uh, move forward on the program. For sure, for sure. Uh, now, you mentioned something about cross-training in, in there. And, you know, I kind of wanted to touch on that. What, what have your injuries been like uh, over the past year? And, and how are you doing now in, in that sort of regard? Yeah, so uh, I hit my foot during the CIS race last year. I think it was on the third lap and then uh it kind of i hit it kind of just it was a little bit awful weird i continued to run the race and it just got 
a little bit more painful and then with kind of the fatigue and pain in my foot I kind of just dropped way back off the lead pack and they left me behind and then from there I continued to run on it and cross train a little bit and then I I still race cross country nationals in Kingston but then after that I found out it was actually a bone bruise on my foot so I had to take full time off and from there I basically went to the pool for the month of December and January and I just pulled around every day and I went to the pool back and forth so I was getting a good amount of training and a good amount of volume it was just hard to get the intensity from cross training and being in the pool and on the bike and then moving that or transferring that onto the track and being able to intervals at like whatever pace you need to so i had that bone bruise for a while that healed in january i moved to the track in february and i was doing decently well just having a hard time transferring didn't make it through kind west didn't get to see eyes and then after that i had capsulitis on my right foot the bone bruise on my left on my metatarsal and then right foot capsulitis after that from mid-march until uh may and then uh i just kind of continued to cross train through that period just like you know, with with the with the injuries and and stuff like that, it, it kind of it's it's made me wonder. You know, balancing. You know, obviously you've had really good early season performance. If I could speculate, what what do you think would happen if you had you know the later season to to show your peak? You know, do you think that you could be end up on the on the top end of the CIS? So yeah, with early um, season performances, I feel like it's not that we peak. It's just that we're a little bit fresh from the summer. And that with the amount of base mileage that we do, we're just kind of getting into it, getting more warmed up. And maybe maybe last year I was overtraining a bit, and that's why I found it harder to compete later on in the season. Just with the amount of biking miles I do and all the running I do, as you can see on Strava, I do a lot of stuff overall. So maybe that was just a little bit too much. So I have backed off more this year on the uh, running aspect a little bit. And I'm keeping the biking about the same because I don't think it was too bad, but just I think the running... Like, I don't need to continue doing 100-mile weeks for too long of a time. Like, I feel like 140 kilometers a week or 120, anywhere in that range is fine for an athlete, really. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, what's what's kind of cool about BC is that there is this really good community out there. There's a lot of really good athletes uh, like Luke Bruchette, um, you know, you have Chris Winter, you know, all, all sorts of those guys, yeah. You did really, really well at the BC Championships last year, you know, really showing that you could keep up with those guys. Um, you know, what advantage does that give you, you know, being able to, to race with, with guys of a world caliber, you know, pretty much whenever you want to? Yeah, it's a, it's a great, like, community out here that I'm able to go and, like, compete against these guys in their season because, I mean... And, like the BC Championships allows them to go onto the BC team that allows me to race them. So, I mean, I don't think Luke was as peaked as I was for maybe BCs in that general area, that training for BCs, and then two weeks later going to CIs. Maybe I was quite a bit sharper than he was. He was probably focusing on Olympics and other higher caliber events, obviously, for later on in the year. So, I mean, but it's just fun to be able to like be around such top tier competitors and be able to race them and like really go toe to toe with them when they're in their heavier weeks of training. So yeah, it's pretty cool to be able to race them and just even talk to them afterwards, talk to them about training and just learn from them. It's just a great experience. Yeah. Now back to the CIS. Um, you know, one thing that I've always wondered about is with the Western Conference in general. You know, how does how do you feel that? that really works out for you because you guys, it almost seems like you're really isolated from the less of the, from the rest of the country. And, you know, as far as competition goes, so the first time that you see a lot of these people is in the big meet, you know, how does that play into things? Do you think that, you know, has a big effect on, on how you guys race? 
Uh, yeah, I think it has a, a a pretty big effect on both sides of how we race because you never really know how fit the people back east are. I mean, we we always know they're fit. We always know they're going to show up, but we don't really know them as well. We don't know what their training is kind of like, and it's, it's vice versa. They don't really know what it's we're, what we're doing, what we're kind of like over here. So it's kind of a shame that we don't get to move around the country more and uh, race other people. I mean, we get to compete against UVic and UBC and SFU and strong Division two schools like Western Washington and Alaska. And um, that's really great. That's great competition for us over here, but it'd just be nice to maybe take a visit to the Prairies or even uh, get a Can West like regional championships going in the next uh, couple of years. I mean, I'll probably be gone by then, but just for future athletes, I think it'd be great if they were able to... Uh, race their fellow competitors in the CIS uh, more um, more frequently. Now, the uh, there is a big shift between and difference between, you know, training for track and training for cross. What would you say that the biggest difference in your training uh, regime is between, you know, your track season and your cross season? Um, I'd say the biggest change is we kind of, like, take a rest week of, like, down mileage in between the uh the seasons just like nothing too hard and then just from there we just slowly progress onto the track and slowly progress into spikes it's more mostly just racing flats on the track at first and then we'll progress into spikes just so we don't have any like achilles or calf issues and stuff like that and we'll also do like i guess maybe two track workouts a week and maybe one workout in the trails or something along those lines just to get just to allow the body to move from one event to the next because you're really moving for most people you move from 10k cross all the way down to like a 3000 meter indoor race or a 1500 meter indoor race and that's a pretty big change so you really have to make sure you take steps and drop it down from like 10k training towards more 5k training and then 5k training towards more 3k training so it just needs to be a progressive step really and that's what we do over here for sure Mm -hmm. now national championships uh coming up in in kingston again this year uh you were there last year um you know you kind of mentioned it how how maybe it wasn't the the biggest opportunity for you. you do you plan on making it this year and um and you know what what are some goals for that yeah, I really want to come back and race in Kingston. I mean, the course was is really hilly up and down and all over the place. It was a really, uh, it was a really great course to run on, really fun. And just like the crowd was just awesome. There were so many people and they were so into it and intense and cheering. So I really want to come back and try and perform at, like uh, my best. I like, kind of perform out in BC, like I no, or perform in Kingston, like I do in BC. Like just be able to do that out there because it was such a like a, just such a great event last year on and off the course it was great everyone was super friendly I really want to go back and see like my good friend Wilkie and uh, YMs uh, Rob, Joey all those guys the Morgan family had me over for dinner last time hmm. I went over to see Steve Boyd and Chloe it was yeah it was just great to see everyone have a good time and go out and perform so this time I really want to perform and hopefully I can get anywhere in the top 15 I'd be I'd be a happy camper I'd be really happy to do that for sure, for sure. Um, I follow you on Strava, and uh, and everyone else can as well too. I think your your Strava name is is Declan White. I, I think it's pretty straightforward like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, with Strava, like I post most of my runs and most of my bikes. Just like I see Strava as like it's kind of like a pool of knowledge, and you can put whatever in you want, and you can take out. You can look at other people's programs. I think it's a great thing because. It's just great to learn and great to like understand different programs, the way different coaches think and the backgrounds that they've came from. So I think Strava is a great tool for all runners to really go on and just uh, post their material and post their data just so you can see. Um, 
Yeah, I let most people follow me. I really prefer that if I'm going to put in data, I want everyone to put in data, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I, don't like, I don't like to let people follow me if they're not doing anything on Strava kind of thing. <laughs> like, you should be for Strava if you're going to go on there. Do you post uh, all your workouts on, on Strava? Uh, no, not all of them, but the, the majority, yeah. I do post quite a few on mm-hmm. uh, Strava. Like a lot of tempo stuff I post on Strava just because it's like good off-day runs. I do post quite a few hikes I do on Strava and that kind of stuff, yeah. Oh, okay, gotcha. Because because there are some people out there who you know they they try and uh, and they they're guys like uh, like Nate Brennan, Pete Corgan, you know guys like that who uh, I think they want to hide some of their their workouts, which is completely understandable. You don't want to give everything away. So I was I was just kind of wondering, you know, on on what side of the fence uh, you fall as far as that goes. Um, I think it's best to be open because, I mean, if you really wanted to know what other people were doing, it's not that hard. I mean. To figure out what they're doing, you mean you can just go on the internet. You can look at who's coaching who. You can look at their backgrounds. You can look at who's coached them. Like I think Mark has a very strong uh, influence from Arthur Lydiard from New Zealand. I think many of his training workouts are very relatable to his program. So it's not that hard to figure out what someone's doing based on if you know their coach's name and if you know who they were coached by, because uh, everything trickles down. All the workouts trickle down. Everything trickles down from information in the past to information now. So. I mean, it doesn't really matter if you post online or if you don't post online. I mean, the information's out there if you're willing to look for it. That seems like a, an excellent segue for me to uh, ask you about your own coaching experience. I, I kind of want to know about that. I, you know, I, I saw in a few different places that, that you are doing some coaching now. Um, you know, how, how has that been going? Oh, it's going really great. I coach uh, the, Langley, the Langley Mustangs uh, Junior Development Group out in um, Langley here. And uh, I just coach it. It's all trail stuff, and we just... Uh, I just bike up there twice a week, sometimes three times a week, and just coach them on the trails. And basically the goal for JDs is just to teach them a few of the fundamentals of running, like running form, just like how long to run, like kind of paces and stuff like that. So we just keep it really simple and try and keep it as fun as possible. And it's just managing workloads between different athletes because I have some kids who are like, oh, I want to run this far and we want to do extra and we want to do all this stuff. And then other kids who are just like, you know, they're tired after school. They don't really want to go and do extra long workouts or extra long intervals or tempos or anything like that. They just want to keep it really simple. So I, I try and keep it manageable for everyone and just keep it fun and like have a few little games afterwards so everyone can get along together. Yeah, it's just about keeping a good balance and making the sport fun for kids, really. That's what, that's what I think the core goals are for a junior development. Have you, uh, have you learned anything, anything that you can bring back to your own running from, from teaching others? Um... Yeah, it's always just like, it's better to, oh, what can I say? What have I, I really learned? Uh, yeah, keep it fun, definitely. Like, it's always fun to like be like more chatty with the team and not be super focused into workout. It, like, you don't always have to be directly like, okay, I've got to come out here and work extra hard today. Sometimes it's good to be, you know what, I'm just going to relax a little bit more. If you're feeling sore, if you're feeling tired, you don't have to push yourself to the limits on every workout or every run. You, sometimes it's just good to like, relax and sit back a bit and just do the workout with your teammates to build like a stronger bonds well Declan it's been a huge pleasure for for me to have you on the show and I wish you best of luck and and I better be seeing you out in Kingston this year okay that sounds great thanks a lot well that wraps up another edition of the Terminal Mile big thanks to my guests this week Leslie as well as Declan and to Tracky for their ongoing support if you want to find us online, you can do so on Twitter at The Terminal Mile. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and of course, tracky.ca. 
Big thanks to you for listening. This has been the Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production. <laughs>